You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. And now, a message from Cyberbit. Mastering cybersecurity is like mastering a sport. You build muscle memory through rigorous practice. Then you train as a team to foster cohesion while operating under pressure. Like athletes, cybersecurity professionals thrive on hands-on simulation. But traditional courses, certifications, and open-source labs won't build you a winning team. You need Cyberbit. Cyberbit offers a hyper-realistic simulation environment for your SOC, IR, and C-suite to refine your skills. All using the market-leading SIMs, EDRs, firewalls, and WAFs they use every day. Cyberbit is offering CyberWire listeners a free live-fire exercise. Sign up your team now at cyberbit.com slash cyberwire. That Vermont utility hacking story fizzles, but grounds for concern about electrical grid security continue. Observers are disappointed by the Grizzly Step joint analysis report. It strikes many as mighty circumstantial. U.S.-Russian cyber strategies and cyber diplomacy. Anonymous greets the Bilderbergers. And ISIS claims responsibility for recent massacres as part of its online inspiration. I'm Dave Bittner in Baltimore with your CyberWire summary for Tuesday, January 3rd, 2016. We start the new year with a story that flared briefly, only to be effectively debunked. It's a useful cautionary tale about the risks of hasty attribution. At the end of last week and last year, the Washington Post ran a much-quoted and widely redistributed story reporting that Burlington Electric, a utility in the northern New England state of Vermont, had been hacked by Russian intelligence services. A very disturbing story, but it's also a good news, bad news story. First, the good news. Essentially, the hacking story is bogus, based on misreading some evidence, dark hints drawn from official U.S. sources and then misunderstood, some inflammatory headline writing, and what other media outfits are calling a breakdown in fact-checking. The initial story said, essentially, that no one less than Fancy Bear herself was in the Vermont power grid and holding the northern part of that small state at risk. But on further reflection and with further investigation, people concluded that here's what actually seems to have happened. An employee's laptop, not connected to grid controls, turned up a warning that it might have connected to a suspicious IP address, one associated with but not exclusively used by threat actors. Burlington Electric isolated the device from its networks and inspected it for indicators of compromise. And they found some, specifically signs of the Neutrino exploit kit. Neutrino has been associated in the past with Russian intelligence services, but it's also been associated with lots of other threat actors as well, most of them ordinary criminals. Neutrino is freely bought and sold in the cyber black market, so this is, to put it mildly, very circumstantial evidence at best of the Russian hacking initially reported and vigorously denounced. And in any case, the laptop wasn't connected to control networks and was quickly isolated. It appears unlikely in the extreme that this infection will be leaving Vermonters shivering in the dark this winter. That's the good news. The bad news in this story, as media outlets from Forbes to The Intercept haven't been slow to point out, is that for all the concern about fake news, especially bogus rumors spread in the case of advocacy or information operations, it would appear the media gatekeepers could do with upping their fact-checking game. 
Joe Weiss is managing partner of Applied Control Solutions. He's a well-respected and sometimes outspoken voice in the world of industrial control systems. While he agrees the most recent incident in Vermont has been misreported, there's still reason for concern. NERC, DOE, and DHS all initially claimed that the 2015 Ukrainian cyber attack could not happen here, which is obviously wrong. Can it happen here? Of course it can. The electric industry, and that includes nuclear, has made cybersecurity a compliance exercise, not a real security or risk event. So the very first thing that has to happen is really senior management, whether it's in the utilities or the government, etc., has to take control system cybersecurity as seriously as they do IT security, and they do not. You need to really understand what you have installed. One of the things that the NERC SIPs allow, and there are both political and regulatory, or if you will, legislative reasons, the electric distribution systems are outside the scope of any of the cybersecurity standards. That was because of the Energy Policy Act of 2005. All electric distribution is excluded from any of these cybersecurity standards. That obviously doesn't make sense. What NERC has done has come up with all kinds of exclusions and scoping issues to take out the bulk of these assets for even being considered critical so they don't even have to be looked at. So, the you know, before you even ask anything about technical, you have to first get people to understand and believe it's real and be willing to take action and, and, and provide budget and to address security for the sake of security and not to say I've checked a box off on a NERC SIP compliance sheet. And then the next thing that has to happen is you need to train and cross-train the control system engineers and the IT people because neither can do this in a vacuum. And one of our major, major, major problems today is IT is not reaching out and working with control system people. And cyber is viewed strictly as a network issue. And in the control system world, cyber is much more than just the network. So until you have the appropriate training, you can't get there from here. That's Joe Weiss from Applied Control Solutions. Americans aren't alone in getting the willies about malware in the power grid. The Hurriyet Daily News reports anonymous officials in Turkey's energy ministry as saying they think they see signs of attempts to disrupt electrical distribution in Istanbul and other parts of the country. Some outages are weather-related, but they're also investigating the possibility of an attack. Thug or not, Vladimir Vladimirovich has certainly got into the head of the main enemy. That would be you, Americans, and of course we include us, as in you. Russian disinclination to retaliate for U.S. expulsion of Russian diplomats last week is drawing generally favorable notices, albeit begrudgingly ones. Security analysts tend to agree that while it's reasonable to conclude there were GRU and FSB intrusions into U.S. political party networks during the election season, 
the voting itself was not manipulated. The U.S. intelligence community has high confidence in its attribution of the hacks to Russian intelligence services, but last week's FBI and NCCIC joint analysis report on Grizzly Step draws tepid reviews, its case seen by many as disappointingly circumstantial. So few serious observers doubt that the Russians were up to something, but the information contained in the joint analysis report is regarded as heavy on best practice advice and light on dispositive evidence. If the intelligence community has the smoking gun, people aren't smelling the cordite in the report. Senator McCain is convening a hearing on Russian hacking this Thursday, and President-elect Trump says that he knows things other people don't and suggests he'll share some of what he knows shortly. ISIS, alas, hasn't gone away. Over the weekend, the caliphate resumed its long-familiar reporting of propaganda of the deed, claiming responsibility for massacres in Istanbul and Baghdad. The declared motive of the former was revenge against Turkey. The Baghdad bombing was intended to simply kill a gathering Shia. German police appear to have interdicted another bombing plot in the Zarlant, arresting an ISIS adherent on the basis of his online attempts to coordinate attacks. And finally, Anonymous has resurfaced in the new year, defacing a Bilderberg Group website to demand a change of heart from the Bilderbergers' elite membership. A resolution to work for the common good as opposed to one's narrow self-interest would doubtless be a good one for all of us, but we don't know whether a threatening defacement will have the desired effect. Perhaps we'll hear an update from the Bohemian Grove sometime this summer. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And I'm pleased to be joined once again by Dale Drew. He's the Chief Security Officer at Level 3 Communications. Dale, uh, it's a new year. 2017 is here. What's your outlook for the uh, for the coming year? Uh, job security. 
<laughs> you know, I think I think you know, 2017 is uh, you know, I, what I really like about 2016 and the direction that we're heading in is this notion that that behavior analytics, um, you know, AI and machine learning sort of uh, elements, people really are beginning to recognize the value of that not only as an independent capability, but as it enhances existing security technology. And what I love about that is that is that we, we couldn't agree more. We we really think that that machine learning and behavior analytics to be able to detect things that you've never seen before in ways you've never seen it before, and then tying that knowledge directly into all of your existing security infrastructure is going to be the thing that is going to have a step function above anything else in protecting uh, enterprise assets uh, and and critical infrastructure capability. So um, I cannot look forward enough to turning the things like machine learning into a buzzword or from a buzzword into a more practical product capability that is embedded in a vast majority of our security uh, technology. So that one, I think, is going to be a, a, an amazing 2017 trend, uh, and uh, I look forward to that one. I think, I think the other trend that we're going to see is IoT. I think that we've seen a significant explosion in bad guys uh, just embracing IoT in, in a malicious way, right? We, mm-hmm. we see that, that you know, there, are, there are no security solutions for IoT. There is no endpoint protection. There's no intrusion detection. There's no nothing, and there's no standards. And so... The bad guys have found that when they gain access to an IoT device, they have a much longer life on those devices before they are detected. Mm. And so they've really come to embrace. And and frankly, they have created a step function and evolution in bot control because their bots are now capable of controlling millions of endpoints as opposed to just thousands of endpoints. And that's all because of this sort of attraction to IoT. So we really think that 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 the bad guys are going to be doing significant research in IoT exploits. It's going to cause a significant amount of reaction uh, from the community, especially in the IoT space, to react to all these security threats until we can get a lot more proactive. Because it's not the same. We're not we're not solving for new problems in IoT. It's it's the exact same problems we've solved in every other computing platform. It's just the need to package that in a smaller. Uh, device capability. I think it's going to be the challenge for us this year. All right, Dale Drew, thanks for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the Cyberwire. We are proudly produced in Maryland by our talented team of editors and producers. I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening.
And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 